The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. It's good for us to remember that. Even when we go through challenges. Uh, I just want to reinforce the prayer time next week. 24 hours of prayer. Yes, it's going to be a great time. If ever any of you are feeling like, oh, I don't know, I'm feeling a bit weary. I don't know whether I can make it or whatever. You need to be there because the object isn't just about prayer. The object is being in God's presence. When we're in God's presence, he raises us up. He strengthens us because he is our father. As we were hearing from Mark last week, he's our father that takes care of us. And it's just great to be able to spend some time. So two hours, 40 minutes of Bible reading, 40 minutes of worship, 40 minutes of prayer. We're going to have that rhythm going on the whole time. And uh, basically, apart from the first session, and maybe at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, these knock on those doors, the other side of those doors. Because we keep the front doors closed, because obviously during the night, anybody could come in. And literally anybody. <laughs> so... Just knock on those doors and somebody will open it because there'll always be somebody in here and we'd be praying. So let me encourage you, get your names down. As you heard from Sarah, really what it's saying is like, if you put your name down, you feel like, yeah, okay, I'm going to come along. You're making that decision. Does anybody here need God? Okay, you just answered why you need to be there. That's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Because we need God. And if we need God, then we need to be here so we can get his presence. Prayer is the primary source of making connection. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. That's what Yonggi Cho said to his church. And the church in Korea is a church that prays. So it's not just about prayer, it's about entering his presence and having his presence. There's a degree of... They can't see me. I thought that's a degree of safety, just in case I got a bit wild and the flowers went flying. So that's absolutely fine. Hallelujah. Look, this week we're coming to the last of our series on church from all angles. And we will, next week we'll be going, uh, no, next week is uh, actually open house. The week after we'll be going into our new series about encountering God. So I just want to summarize and finish up today on this series of church from all angles. We've been looking at this question, really, what is the church? And we've been seeking to go from the Bible and find out some answers to that so that we can understand a little bit more about the church. In a roundabout way, this is talking about the doctrine, the theology of the church. But if we put it like that, everybody thinks, what, theology? I'm not necessarily interested in that. So we're just asking a question, what is the church? And we're seeking to find out more about the church by going through it. We had a definition that we were looking at, and the definition said this, the church is the community of, of all true believers. The church is the community of all true believers for all time. The church is the community, the gathering together. And when we look in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, words that are translated as the word church, they really mean this idea of assembling together. So in the Old Testament, when you had all the people of Israel outside the tent of meeting, ready to meet with God, they were the assembling of the people. They were the church. 
That's the word that's being used. And we understand that the word in Greek that is being used for church is those who are called out, out of darkness into the kingdom of God. Have you been called out of darkness? Amen. You are part of the church. We've come out of darkness into the kingdom of God. And that is where God is working on us. Last time we looked at this, the church is the people, not the building. We refer to this as the church. I'll meet you at the church. But what we mean is, I'll meet you at the building where the church meets. We are the church. You can actually touch yourself, and you're not bricks and mortar, but you are living stones being built together because we are the church. And the church of Jesus Christ, even the church that is called Bromley Town Church, goes to many places during the week. It goes to London, into banks. It goes to schools. It goes to shops. It goes to all sorts of different places because you are the church and the church is going out among the people of the world and God's grace and blessing is going with us. We are the church. So we are the church. The church is people. It is not the bricks and mortar. But we bless God for the fact that we have a place to gather in on a Sunday morning where we can preach, where we can worship, where we can meet together. We thank God for that. But the church is not just Bromley Town Church. It's not just local church. It is all over. It's big. It's not just local. I can't remember what the next thing is. It's universal. That's what the word was. <laughs> it's universal. And I'm proud of Bromley Town Church. I'm proud of us being together as Bromley Town Church. I'm proud of what we can do as Bromley Town Church. But we are but part of the body of Christ. We're just part of it. So we're not the only church. We are part of the church universal. That is the people of God who trust in God, who believe in God, who are all around the world. The church is living and active and it surrounds the globe because it is that God has called his people to go and take dominion of the world and to see his kingdom come upon the earth. So it's exciting for us. Yes, we want to be excited about our local church. Yes, we want to be invested into our local church. Yes, it gives us the opportunity to know people more intimately in our local setting. But praise God, we are also part of the church universal. And we need to keep our eyes on that. So we're sending part of the church universal. Our brother is going up to Halifax. That's part of the church. There's still church there. They call themselves church. And when we see Christians in China, in Russia or wherever they are around the world, who are believing in Jesus Christ. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ because we all belong to one body, the church universal. And it's exciting for us to be stirred by that. But today we want to look at this question. Well, all of these good things, but how do I, how do I become part of this community? How do I enter the church? How do I become a member of the church? How do I belong to the church? And from our definition, we said that the church is the community of all true believers. There is faith in Jesus that is essential for those who come into the church. A true believer is one who has faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin and the hope in him for a resurrection into life eternal. That is what we believe. And faith is that key element. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. It needs faith. And for us to be part of the church, for us to enter into this community of believers of the church, then we need to have faith 
in Jesus Christ. Now let me just say, faith is not knowing everything there is to know about God. Faith is not that. Faith is trusting that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. That is what faith is. Again, in Hebrews 11, which is a book of faith or a, a passage on faith, it says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If we can't see something but we're still certain of it, well, what are we doing? We're taking hold of it by faith. Faith gets attacked. Many of you, Sundays, you know, I love Jesus. Tuesdays, after you've been through Monday at the office... You're thinking about, whoa, God, where are you? Are you really real? And the voices come to you and they attack you and you feel undermined. This morning I woke up early and I looked out the window. It was a beautiful, clear night. It was still dark. The sky was full of stars and there was a new moon on the horizon. And I just thought to myself, you know, we don't often see the stars because there's so much cloud around. We need to gaze upon the majesty of creation because it declares to our soul, I am here and I am watching over you. We need to look at the things that are greater than us because it stirs our faith and our trust. As we want to enter into the church and to be part of the community of the church, we need to be those people who have faith. And just as a reference... Okay, yeah, I realise that. Um, as a reference for us, I just skip things sometimes, you know. Probably, sorry about that, Nale. Just yes. <laughs> um, let's actually just talk about the day of Pentecost for a moment because that gives us an intro into entering the church. Because there on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, and as it's, I suppose as we look at the New Testament, we say that is the day when the body of believers were really called the church together. What did Peter preach on that day to encourage us and to let us know about what is required? So let's have a quick look at Acts 2, 38 to 42. So Peter has been preaching to the crowd and the people say to him, what must we do? And he answers like this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. There we see a picture of what was happening with that early church and how people came in to be part of that church. And Peter explains there the things that are necessary. Now, I've just said one of the elements is that we trust anyway, that we have faith in God. And that faith, therefore, is a key element to us entering and being part of the church. But what Peter said was, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized just a couple, those at the back, one or two. No, no, no. He says, every one of you. So there's a foundational element that we're coming to here about us being part of this universal body that is called the church, and that is repentance. Repentance. Now, the Greek word for repentance, it means this, to change your thinking. 
to change your thinking. And you know, when we change our thinking, what we're saying is the previous pattern of behavior that I was walking in, I now realize, I'm thinking about it, that was not good. And I make a change in my thinking, I am not going to do that. I mustn't go that way anymore. So as the change of thinking comes, that causes the change of behavior. So repentance, although we may be using our words to repent, Lord, I recognize that what I was doing was wrong. The way I was walking was wrong. The things that I was doing were wrong as far as you were concerned. I repent of those things, but I need to change my thinking so that then there can be a following change in behavior that means that that repentance that I made is actually worked out. So real repentance happens in the mind because there is a change of thinking. And that is what is behind the understanding of that word. So if we say real repentance is this, is that we would never carry out the same behavior again. That would indicate that real repentance has taken place. Let me give you an example. If you were stealing, and you've been stealing, and you stopped stealing forever you never stole something again, that would be real repentance. But listen, if you were stealing, and say you were stealing something every day, and you thought, wow, this is wrong. I feel this is wrong. And so you weren't stealing every day. You actually only stole something once a month. That's not repentance. That's just an alteration in the bad behavior. Now, I say that because... What we tend to do is we tend to go for a change in the bad behavior, not always wanting to face real repentance. Why? Because real repentance means you are never doing that again. There's an absolute change in thinking, and that change in thinking is causing you to go a different way. Because what we see in our lives is, oh, I'm so sorry about that. I know I shouldn't be stealing. I won't do that. And a month later, you're back and you're stealing something. Now, I mean, stealing is just the example I'm using. You can fit in there whatever it is about yourself. But this idea of what real repentance is, have you changed your mind or did you just feel guilty? Did you just feel bad? Oh, I feel uncomfortable today. That is not repentance. Okay, that's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit coming and saying like, Oi! He's giving you a knock. He's giving you a kick. He's giving you a shake. But the repentance comes from us. It's when we say, Lord, my behavior, this isn't what you want. You know what? When I surrender to God sometimes when I'm praying, and there are things that come to our minds that we all do. Lord, I surrender to this. I don't seem to have the power to get away from this behavior. I surrender to you. Come and help me. You know, those are often the prayers that lead to that repentance. Sometimes those guys who were at the breakfast yesterday when we heard uh, the story of Kikos, there was repentance there, not necessarily in his words, but in his action, there was a change of thinking. When God met him in that church and he went back home and he realized that his former way of life was not what he should be going in. So suddenly he's flushing the drugs that he'd hidden at home down the toilet and getting rid of them God never told him to do it. It's just that something was changing in his thinking now. I can no longer go that way. That's repentance. Because he's never walking that way again. Listen, is God bringing conviction to you this morning? 
about something in your life. And you know, only he can put his finger on the things in your heart. You know, what I notice with God is when he brings his conviction, he doesn't do it to destroy you, he does it to lift you up. He, does it, he says, let me just point these things out. But as he points them out, what he's really saying is, I want you to come to me because I'm the one who can help you. God is not fearsome and casting us away even when he is pointing out our faults. He comes to us and touches our hearts to draw us into himself so that he can help us to make the change that is necessary. Entering into the church requires us to repent of our sins. And that is what Peter brought on that first day of Pentecost. And he said to them, it says he said with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And you know what? We live in a corrupt generation. There's much that goes on around us in our news that's bombarded by the media. And let's be honest, to be on, the media can have more impact on us because it's happening more frequently. We come to church once a week. You probably pick up your phone and look at the media or social media every day, several times a day. Now, when we're living in a climate where not all of that is godly and not all of the ideas are godly, and that's being received by you, what effect can it have on you? Peter was saying the same to the people of his time. He was saying, listen, you need to save yourselves from this corrupt generation that is all around us. In our generation, there's all sorts of talk about how you can behave, who you can be, what you should do, who cares about God, you do as you feel free, you just live as you want. No, 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 that's corrupt thinking. It's corrupt thinking. And there will come a day when that corrupt thinking faces reality. But until that day comes, we have a task to save ourselves from this corrupt generation and to repent of our sins and turn to God. Repentance is necessary. How do I repent? How do I repent? Not just me, but how does one repent? You need to admit the things that you have done wrong. You know, when you're a mum or a dad and you're trying to bring your young child up, one of the things you do is when they do th naughty things and you tell them off, you say to them, right, okay, hang on a second, do you understand what you did? It is wrong to draw on the wallpaper. It might be a nice picture, but it's not what we want. You actually tell them and you get them to understand why you are disciplining them, why you are, are telling them off. And it's the same for us. We need, for what reason is God touching our hearts? Lord, it's because I have been going through this action of behavior, because I don't love people the way that you've asked me to love them. Because I, I, I have anger in my heart towards this person or that person. Because I don't want to forgive that person. Because you don't understand. When we start to realize what's in us, Lord, I admit to you, my behavior is wrong. I admit to you that what I've been doing is wrong. We have to admit, we have to take responsibility and then we can tell God about it, about what he has done, what we have done and then we can ask him to forgive us. That is what we do when we repent. But Peter was preaching not only about repentance, he says repent and be baptized every one of you. For us to come into the church, for us to enter into this body of Christ around the world, then we need repentance, but we need to be baptized. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, is what Peter preached. Baptism in water is one of the things that Jesus 
commanded us to go and do. He said in Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Repentance is important, but baptism is important. So let me just give you a few points about baptism. First of all, baptism, and this is what we do, baptism in Scripture is about immersing somebody in water. It's about getting them completely wet. So we believe that baptism is by immersion in water. And even if you look at the Greek, it's talking there about the idea of a, or the word is, is what would be used of a cloth if it was being dyed. So if you're trying to take a white piece of cotton and you want to make it red, and you dip it in the red dye, you don't just sprinkle the dye on it, you plunge it beneath so that it becomes completely immersed in the dye, so that the cloth becomes completely changed in its colour. And that's the same image as being used here of baptism in water. You're not just sprinkling, you're placing somebody below the water so they are completely immersed in the water. Baptism by immersion. Secondly, baptism of believers. The Bible teaches that believers are baptised. Not non-believers. People who have come to realise that I need to be changed. My former way of life is not right. I feel as though I'm not walking in the way that God wants me to walk. It doesn't mean to say you understand everything there is to know about the Bible and theology and everything. No. It means that you've realized that my ways are not right. I haven't peace in my heart. I need to find forgiveness for the things that I've been walking in. You need to find a connection with God and you need to make connection with God. Now when you come to that place, you feel, I've got to get right with God, then you need to be baptized. Because we repent of our sins and we are then baptized. But the people who are baptized are those people who have believed that the way is to follow Jesus. Salvation is found in no other name, is given by no other name, that we might be saved but for the name of Jesus Christ. So it is believers that are baptized, and also the Bible teaches this, and this is another challenging one for us, believers were baptized straight away. And it confuses us, because we're dealing with the fact of, have I really changed? Have I really made up my mind? Is God really real? Should I be doing this? We're going through all of those should-bes, could-bes, checkups. so much so that we say, well, okay, I won't be baptized until I've got all that sorted out. That's not the way that Scripture looks at it. The Scripture is looking at it like this. Are you trusting for a change in your life through the power of God? Because you know that you've sinned. Yeah, I know that I've sinned. I know that my life's not all together. I don't understand it all. Nobody said you had to understand it all. We're asking you to trust in a God who is going to help you. You see, that's the faith. It's faith. It takes faith. Faith is not what this world tends to live by. If I see it, then it's real. If I can't see it, it's not real. That's not faith. God is spirit. It's a problem with that straight away. God is not flesh and blood. He made himself flesh and blood through Jesus Christ. But God himself is spirit. And we worship him in spirit. So as we're worshiping this morning, you sense the presence of God. Did you see him? How do I describe it? I felt him in my heart. I felt him moving upon my life. He started to change me. You see, it's difficult to put into words, but what we can understand is this is faith. God is real, 
and he is making me feel real. There's stuff that's going on in me. He's showing me things. He's changing me. He's challenging me. When we come to that point where we know that our lives need to be put right, we don't understand it all, we put our trust in Jesus and we repent of our sins, if we have done that, then I need to live a different way. If you really thought the previous way of living was the right way, then why are you bothering to change? Have you really encountered God? But if God is saying, listen, there's stuff about that way that you know is wrong and I know is wrong because you need to be living differently, then God is calling you to a different way. His ways are not the ways of this world. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. We don't understand all of them, but we're trusting in him. And so God is saying, listen, if you're believing in me, you are a believer, now be baptized. And that is exactly what Peter was preaching as entry to the church on the day of Pentecost. They did not say, right, now, I'm so glad we got 3,000. I'm so glad you've been challenged. I'm really glad about that. Now, we're going to go through 18 weeks of checkup just so that you know how we were changing from Judaism to Christianity so that you know... No! God is real. When he comes, he brings change. He doesn't bring all the change to every person in the same way from day one. But he does start doing this. There's something I feel in my heart that is drawing me towards him. So when Peter was preaching about baptism, he was preaching that we, uh, we do baptism by immersion in water. It is believers who are baptized, and believers are baptized straight away. Listen, are you a believer here this morning? Somebody who is saying, look, I know that the former way that I was living was not right, but now I'm seeking to live God's way. I'm seeking to live a new way. But if you're in that position and you haven't been baptized, then I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. Not in doing what the church says you must do, but what God is asking you to do. Because when we go his ways, he blesses us and he helps us. So that is what Peter was preaching on that day of Pentecost and what we see as really walking in the way of entry into the church, the way of entering into this community of believers. But Peter then not only set, talked about that, but he then went on to describe life in the church. Life in the church, and we read Acts 2.42, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. To devote yourselves means you're giving yourself to something with a really zealous attachment. You are being very loyal, you're being very, you're being very attached to something. This is what you are doing. And so it says that they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And this is what we want to see in the church, that those who are part of the church, the true believers of all time, believing in Jesus, then we want to continue in the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? is that they continued to educate themselves, to remind themselves, to strengthen themselves in the teaching that had been passed on to the apostles by Jesus Christ. The teaching of the Old Testament. You remember the story, or maybe you don't, but there was a story after the resurrection when Jesus reveals himself to, uh, the me to two men who uh, were walking on what was called the Emmaus Road. So these men are going back home. They've heard all of that's gone on in Jerusalem. They're upset because the Messiah, the one that they thought was the Messiah, is dead. 
And this mysterious man, because they didn't recognize him, comes along and says, guys, how are you doing? They says, well, actually, it's not good. He says, well, why? What's the problem? And they say it's not good, and um, I'm not quite sure what happened next, but I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. They said it's not good because uh, the one that we were following, Jesus, has been killed. Now, Jesus was there, but they didn't recognize him as being the risen Jesus. So he starts sharing with them from the Old Testament. All the things that related to himself. And then eventually they persuaded this fellow to stay with them, to have supper with them. As they broke bread together and prayed, their eyes were opened and they suddenly realized, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. And Jesus disappeared. But then they went on to say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was sharing those things from the Bible? And you see, what they were talking about is the apostles' teaching. Jesus was showing to them everything about himself, everything that God was doing, the things of the Messiah, the prophecies about the Messiah, the teaching. All of that teaching is what we're calling the apostles' teaching. And these are the things that God wants us to walk in. So what Peter was saying on the day of Pentecost, as a church, we need to walk in the teaching of God and in the teaching that Jesus Christ gave to the disciples. That is the apostles' teaching. But it also says to fellowship, the importance of fellowship. Fellowship is so important. So pe people sort of say like, oh, I'm a believer, yeah, but I don't do that church thing. And we know that we've heard people say that. Do we have a problem with that? Yes, we do. Not that we've got a problem with them, but we want to help them. Because you know what? We cannot do without each other. We need one another. Oh, I don't need you. I'm all right. I'm an island. I can cope. No, what you mean is those things. I'm an island. I can't afford to let people come near to me. I'm afraid of what they might say to me or they might let me down as other people have let me down. That's not freedom. Christ came to give us freedom. Freedom from everything. Freedom from fear. Freedom from isolation. Freedom from loneliness. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you is what he has said. We cannot be lonely because God is always with us. But you know what? God wants us to have other people with us too. And it is in with the, the body of the building or the, the framework of the building that we come together and we can find fellowship. Ladies, thank you for serving so well at the breakfast yesterday. And it was a good time, I know. We had a good time. The food was excellent, and we thank you for your service, but I'm sure that you had fun too. Yes, trying to sort out, oh, these guys, you know, how many sausages they want, or whatever it might be. But it's fun. There's a certain camaraderie in being together. That's fellowship. It doesn't have to just to be about spiritual talk, but we want that too. We want life, and we want the life of God. And as we find that amongst the people of God, it builds us up. There's something so great about the body of the church because there's young and old, black and white, as we went on before, all different people, all different backgrounds, but we come one in Jesus and we find fellowship together in Jesus. The apostles' teaching is important. So is fellowship. So is breaking of bread. Now, it's interesting. Did they just mean communion or did they also mean sharing meals together? But it would seem that the practice of the early church is that before they ate, they had communion. So when they came together as a group of people, they came together to have food, and we love to have food. We often have tea and cakes and stuff, and we had cakes last week. I think there's even some cake left over from yesterday or uh, stuff today. We like sharing around food. 
but they also broke bread together. They actually remembered the death of Jesus, the reason for their community, the reason for their being together, the reason for the life that they have received is because they believe in sharing communion and remembering Jesus. And that is an important element of it. And fourthly, they said about prayer. And there's much we could talk about prayer, but just simply sign your name up and come along to the 24-hour time and God will take care of the rest. We need prayer because it means connection with him. No connection with heaven and we're a wasted people. But connection with heaven and the life that comes from heaven means the people around us can get transformed. And that's what we want to see. Finally, I just want to say this. I've got two minutes. There are are some metaphors, that is, there are some pictures which describe the church in the Bible. And one of those pictures, one of those words that's used to describe the church is the body of Christ. And it's such an important picture. So I just want to share very briefly about that picture. Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 says this, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And in Ephesians 5.23, it says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is saviour. We understand about our bodies. I know sometimes we look at them, we're not all that happy, or there's some bits that we are happy of, oh, I wish I could change that, whatever. Ignore that for a moment. Just the fact that we have arms and legs and head and ears and nose and all that. It all comes together. This is our body. And the picture that's given is that Christ is the head. The place where all the thinking, the place where all the direction comes from, that's Jesus. And he's in heaven. But we are his body here on the earth. Now when you start to think about this a second, so the head, and we've got a picture of ourselves, so the head is Jesus and he's driving things and he's in heaven, but we're here upon the earth. So what does that mean for us? It means that what is being declared in heaven by the head needs to be happening through us here upon the earth. But let's also look at what it's saying. It says that not everybody's the same. A foot is not a hand. It's not. We can argue some things about it, but they're not the same. And we can look at our bodies and we know that not every part has the same function or the same purpose. There's different purposes that our hands, our fingers, our arms, our legs, that they have. But together we become a body. So Jesus is the head. We are his body. Not every one of us is the same. Not every one of us has the same function. But we belong to the same body. That is so important. And it says that when somebody is suffering, the rest of the body feels it. When you kick your toe and you hurt your toe, I know about it. My body knows about it. And we feel the same as a body of Christ. It's a wonderful picture. It's worthy of much more preaching. But we understand what we're saying. As we come together, we are the body of Christ. He's in heaven. But what does he want? He wants his will to be done here upon the earth. And that means that everybody here, every one of us has our part to play. Oh, I don't think my part's very important, but you're vital to the overall working of the church of Jesus Christ. The overall working. 
Yesterday, all I did was to clear plates from the tables, you may be thinking. But you see, just that action and somebody coming, one of the guys coming and enjoying what happened there could be leading them to Jesus Christ and leading them to salvation. But all I did was to clear plates, but it was only the clearing of the plates that struck that man and caused him to think, what is it about these people? You see, we dismiss these things. I believe there will come a day when Jesus will tell us of the importance of the things that we do. But we won't always understand it here upon the earth. But what we can understand now is that every one of us can say, hey, I belong. I belong to the body of Christ here upon the earth. I am part of it, and I have a part to play. And you know, we're going to take communion now, not just because it's part of what the early church did, and we want to follow in that way, but I want us to think about the fact that we belong together. We're part of the same body. And as we partake of this loaf this morning, this is one loaf, just as we are one body. But it's going to be broken because the body of Jesus was broken for us. He broke his life. He allowed his life to be broken that our brokenness may come back to wholeness in him. And this morning, as we partake of this communion, I want us to really remember and to celebrate together that we are the church. We are part of the church worldwide, but we are the church here called Bromley Town Church. And we need each other, and we need the fellowship and the input and the encouragement that comes from each other, the praying together, the serving together. We need that because it helps us to do and to be the body of Christ here upon the earth. This morning, when we take the bread, I just want you to hold the bread. And when we come, and I'll skip a moment, I literally want us to hold our, the bread in our hands to indicate that we belong together and we can eat the bread together. And then when we serve the cup and it will be brought to us, again, we'll hold that and we will drink together because today we are remembering what Jesus has done for us, but that we're remembering particularly that we are his body now here upon the earth and he is making us one and unifying us and drawing us into one that he may be glorified through what we do. Father, we want to thank you for the life of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we are in awe of you. You lived a sinless life and you gave yourself freely that we may be released, forgiven from our sins and made whole before our Father in heaven. We want to thank you, Jesus, that your body was given for us, that your brokenness brought wholeness to us. So as we receive this loaf today, may you impart fresh life into us as individuals, but may you pour out your life afresh upon us as your body here upon the earth. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anybody is here who is not a believer then you can see even what I've been talking about, you're not part of that community. And so if that's the case, just allow the elements, the, the bread and the wine to pass by. There's no embarrassment in that. But this is a time for us who are believers, the church, the true church, to come together. So please take a piece of bread, but hold on to it because we're going to eat this bread together this morning.